Well, good morning, everybody. Um, did you hear that? 4,800 items left. It makes you wonder, do, do people not need this stuff or what? You know, um, We have a lost and found here at the church, and um, I'm sometimes amazed at the stuff that gets left, um, the stuff that never gets claimed. I think we actually give you three months to claim it before we get rid of it. Um, many years ago, we'd keep it for a long time, and when my kids were little, like, you know, it, it'd be there all winter, and when summertime would come, our custodian would be cleaning out the lost and found. And there were, were like leftover winter coats for kids, nice ones. So the next year, my kids wore them. I mean, we, <laughs> we clothed our kids with a lot of stuff from the lost and found around here. I, my favorite Notre Dame hat of all time came from the lost and found right here at the church. I, I'm not kidding. It really did. I still have that hat. I, I kind of always wonder what would happen, you know, like if I walk into church on Sunday wearing that hat and a guy walks to, up to me and goes, you know, I have a hat just like that. I lost it here at church. Wait a minute. You know, make for an awkward moment there, I think. Uh, hey, have you ever misplaced something? You knew it wasn't lost. You just couldn't find it, right? Like your keys, your sunglasses, your eyeglasses. Of course, if you lose your eyeglasses, then you can't see to find them. Uh, oh, the worst one of all, when you misplace your phone and drive you crazy, can't it? I have a solution for you. They now train dogs to return to you what you've misplaced. Um, Dutch Airlines, KLM, now when they go through the planes, as soon as they land, you know, and people walk off, they leave stuff in the planes all the time, in the pocket seats and so on. As soon as you get off the plane, they go through the plane. If they find your items, they have a dog waiting there with a backpack, they'll have that dog sniff whatever item it is. I'm not making this up, okay? They have a dog sniff whatever it is that you left on the plane. They put it in his backpack. That dog will run out into the airport and sniff you down and return your item. You may think I'm kidding. Watch this. Yeah, there you go. See, I told you. We all need a dog like that, don't we? Yeah, yeah, that dog looked happy too. Um, we have a dog at home. It's actually my son's dog. It's a golden retriever. It loves to bring you stuff. Like the newspaper, I mean, we kind of trained it to bring us the newspaper, mail, and so on. Sometimes it's kind of slobbery, but he still loves to do it. Um, and uh, he'll actually go out and help my wife bring the groceries in. He does. He loves to do that. You know, she can give him a bag, and he'll carry it in. He's the happiest dog in the world. Well, if you've ever misplaced something, you know how frustrating it is to not be able to find it. I've misplaced my keys for my car and I, I guess you, it's really not the old traditional key. It's now called a key fob, I guess. You know, it's one of those where you don't put the key in and you turn the ignition. You just get in the car and it recognizes that the key is in there. So you put your foot on the brake, push the button, and the car starts. One day I lost that thing. Now I knew it was in the car. And here's how I knew. The car will only start if the key is in the car. You take the key out of the car, it won't start. Because I could push on the pedal and I could push the button and the car would start. But I could not find that key anywhere. And I looked and looked and looked. Finally, I found it was tucked down under, it had fallen down the seat and it was tucked up underneath um, something there. I've lost my sunglasses and looked all over for them. Only about 10 minutes later to realize they were on my head. How many of you have ever done something like that? Okay, good, good, good. 
I have misplaced my cell phone. I remember one time I was leaving home and I needed to grab it before I was leaving. I'm running around the house trying to find it because I had to hurry and get the, out the door. It was nowhere to be found. I was getting frustrated until I realized something. I was talking on it. Please, somebody tell me they've done that. All right, okay, good. I, I feel better now. That's, that's good. You people are as crazy as I am. That's good to know here this morning. Well, today we're going to talk about um, losing something. And I think we're all going to be able to relate to this. And maybe it's not so much losing something as it is misplacing something. But it's not the normal things we think about, whether it's our keys or our glasses or a phone or something like that. I want to talk about when we lose something spiritually. A little different way of looking at it. But, you know, for example, maybe you would say, you know, there was a time in my life where I had more peace than I have today. You know, something would happen, you know, where there was trouble in my life, I would turn it over to God, and I would trust God, and I didn't worry about it that much. But now, today, if stuff comes along in your life, you find yourself stressing over it. You find yourself losing sleep over it. And you're saying, you know what? I think I've lost some of that peace I had in my life. Maybe it's joy. Maybe there was a time in your life where your relationship with God gave you such joy that even though circumstances would get stressful or difficult or life would throw you a curveball, that joy was still there and it wasn't that big a deal. But nowadays, maybe it even seems like little things can just rob you of what little joy you have. And you say, you know, I think I've lost some joy in my life. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe you can look back and, you know, there was a time where I had great faith. I trusted God, you know, no matter what. I put my trust in Him. And circumstances would come along. I trusted God. I prayed about it. And God did some amazing things in my life. But now, you seem to get rattled. And that trust isn't there. You've lost something in your life. Maybe it's just something as simple as reading the Bible. There was a time where you just devoured the Bible. You studied it. You couldn't wait to sit down and read it. You could read it for, you know, hours on end, and you just soaked it up. And nowadays you're thinking, you know what? I don't do that much anymore. And when I do it, it honestly, sometimes it's almost like a chore to me. You've lost something. Maybe it's friends. Maybe there was a time where you surrounded yourself with friends who helped, kept you moving upward in your spiritual trajectory, you know. Um, they prayed for you. They held you accountable. They encouraged you. And things were going well. You felt closer to God then than almost any time of your life because those friends you had around you. And then one day you realized those friends weren't around you much anymore. And you had drifted. And you were on a downward trajectory spiritually. I bet almost all of us here can relate to that, can't we? We can lose something spiritually. It's not like we meant to lose it. Sometimes we don't even realize that we've lost it. There's a guy in the Bible that we want to look at today who lost something. And from this story, we can find two simple, basic principles to help us recover what we've lost in our lives. Now, we're in this series that we're calling Extraordinary because we're looking at Elisha, the life of Elijah. Elisha was a guy who did some extraordinary things. One of the things Elisha is known for are the extraordinary miracles 
that he did. Uh, listen to this. On one occasion, he went into villages that had polluted water, and he miraculously made their water clean. Amazing stuff. One time, he healed a guy with leprosy. Another time, he raised somebody from the dead. Miraculous stuff. The story we're going to look at today about what this guy, guy lost seems rather insignificant. This was an up-and-coming prophet. He was probably in seminary. He was kind of being mentored by Elisha along with some of his buddies. He was like a buddies. He was kind of like a seminary student. And he lost the head of an axe. And you may say, well, why is this even recorded in the Bible? I mean, this does not seem like a very big deal. And we'll talk about that as we go. Let me just start reading the story to you. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. Um, 2 Kings is a book in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. Let me read it to you. Here's what it says, 2 Kings 6 verse 1. One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Now, you may be thinking, what is the big deal? Why is he reacting so strongly? Sure, it's borrowed, but run down to Lowe's, Menard, or something and buy a new one, right? Well, first of all, understand that iron was very rare in those days. Very rare. So it made this item, that made this head of an axe very, very valuable. Kind of like, you know, if you're out in the water and you're swimming and you lost your wedding ring or something, you would probably say, oh, no. I lost my wedding ring because of the value that we attach to that. And what is happening, and another thing here is this guy, like we said, was a prophet in training. He was probably a seminary student. Seminary students aren't known for having a lot of money, you know. Most of them are actually rather poor. I I went to seminary, and I can assure you this. When you looked at the parking lot of a seminary, the guys weren't very wealthy. There were some rough-looking cars in that parking lot. So this guy probably didn't even have the means to repay this axe head, axe head. And so Elisha is meeting with these guys. Apparently he's training them. He's teaching them how to become prophets. So it was kind of like seminary. And they outgrew their facility. So they went down to the Jordan River where there were trees and they began cutting them. And when that axe head flew off, you know, the guy reacted. We, we don't know other than the fact that iron was rare what was so upsetting to him. Maybe it's because he knew he was going to be in trouble with the guy he borrowed it from if he couldn't return it. Uh, maybe it's because he promised he would return it in good condition. Uh, maybe it's because the guy he borrowed it from, this is what that guy did for a living. It was his only source of income, and he knew this guy was going to be out of a job if he didn't return it. It's all speculation. Here's what we do know. It was a big deal to this young man, this young prophet who lost the axe head. And did you notice as I read what he said? He said, oh, sir, you know, I lost the axe head. I got to imagine that he said more than that, right? At least he added a few words. I think we got the edited version of that, you know. Would you agree? I mean, there are situations where we're upset. And when we do, we have some 
go-to words in those situations, right? Now, nobody tell me what they are. I don't want to know. Okay, keep them to yourself this morning. I have one. It's kind of cheesy, the, the word I use. And if you know my friends, or, you know, if you talk to my friends or to my family, they'll tell you, they'll hear me say this occasionally. If something happens like this and I react, you know, like, oh, no, I lost that. Usually I use the word snot. No kidding, I do. I'll say, oh, snot, I lost that. Don't ask me why. It's just the way I do. So this guy reacts strongly to the fact that he has lost this head of an axe. So let's keep reading the story. It's for, um, back to 2 Kings chapter 6. These are verses 6 and 7. Here's what they say. And this is Elisha talking. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. Now, this is pretty amazing stuff. It's not healing someone from leprosy or raising them from the dead, but my, you know, an axe head, that heavy iron axe head floating to the surface, it, it's kind of amazing stuff. So Elisha cuts a stick, throws it in the water, and when that stick is floating, that axe head just comes up and floats right at the surface. One thing we know that's going on here, this is the power of God at work, right? This is the power of God through Elisha, because normally axe heads don't float. Now you may ask the question, what is the point? Why is this recorded here? Why is this even important for us to know this story? What may seem insignificant to us, what may seem trivial to us, wasn't so trivial to this young prophet. And that leads us to one of the lessons we can learn from this story. And it, it's really a lesson that we learn about God. And it's this. God cares about the little things in our lives. God cares about the little things in our lives. Because losing the head of this axe was a big deal to this young prophet, it was a big deal to God. You know, if you have headaches on a regular basis, God cares about that. If your car doesn't start tomorrow morning, God cares about that. If you have a chemistry test this week, God cares about that. If you're a mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old and you wonder when they're ever going to be out of diapers and when you're going to be able to quit putting them in car seats and when they're ever going to quit making messes, God cares about that. If you have a job that you're struggling with, God cares about that. If you're a parent of a teen or an adult child and they've drifted off or they've wandered away and it's breaking your heart, God cares about that. If you lose your phone and you can't find it, if you're talking on your phone while you're looking for it, God cares about that. He may laugh at you while you're doing that, but he still, he still cares about you in that situation. And so that's one thing we learn about God from this story. Here's another a second lesson from this story, a second thing we learn about God from the story, and it's this. God can help you find what you or what is lost because God is a God of restoration. You know why I think one, one reason I think this story is so important? It's because these young up-and-coming prophets, these seminary students, these prophets in training, they needed to learn the faithfulness of God. They needed to learn that God was a restoration, that he can help recover what is lost. So with this story, when that axe had floated and that 
Young man reached in and grabbed that axe head out of the water. It taught him a lesson that would serve him well the rest of his life. And that is you can trust God in situations like that. So it leads us to a lesson. In other words, there's a lesson from in this story for us as well. And it's this. God knows how to help me find what I've lost. God knows how to help me find what I've lost. So as we think about applying this principle to our own lives, can we be honest with ourselves and just ask ourselves the question, have I lost something spiritually? Or have I lost my spiritual edge? No pun intended there. Perhaps you haven't. I mean, perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, you know what? I'm doing better spiritually than I ever have in my life. And if so, celebrate that. I mean, that's great. And I thank God that you were there and celebrate that with him. For many of us as followers of Jesus, we might, if we are completely honest, say, you know, there was a time in my life where I was more connected in one way or another with God or with my walk with God than I am today. For me, sometimes I feel like it even can come and go a little bit. There are times where I feel closer to God, and there are other times where I feel like I have done spiritually, than I, have done better spiritually than I'm doing right now. For some of you, you remember a time where you, where you had other Christians around you to build you up, to pray for you. Perhaps it was because you were in a life group, you know, a small group, and maybe you served on a team, and those people encourage you in your walk with Jesus. And you look back now and you say, you know what, I was closer to God then than I am now. And you realize you don't have those people in your life anymore. And you've lost your edge spiritually. It could be that there was a time where you volunteered in church or you, know, you served the community. Maybe you served the community with a team from your church. You were making a difference with your times and gifts. It was challenging at times, but it was fulfilling. So you got busy and you stopped. And you intended to do it again, but you haven't yet. But if you slow down long enough to evaluate, you realize there's something missing. You felt what it was like to be used by God. But now, for the most part, your life is just about you. Some of you can remember a time where you perhaps you had a passion for prayer. You prayed about everything. You prayed fervently. You loved to pray. God did some amazing things through the power of prayer in your life. But somehow, and you're not even sure how or when or why it happened, but you stopped. You still pray, but it's more just for meals or when you really need something. And honestly, sometimes it seems a little bit like a chore or obligation just to take a few minutes to pray. Or maybe you noticed your standards have eroded. It used to be that you would think, I'm not going to do that or be this way because it wouldn't be pleasing to God. And I know the path that that'll lead me down. But then something happened. You didn't mean for it to happen. You know, maybe a friend came along and said, come on, it's fine, no big deal. And you thought, okay, just this once. Before long, you were cutting corners, you were taking shortcuts, you were doing some things you knew you shouldn't do, and you just shoved those thoughts of doing the right thing into the back of your brain. And now you're asking, how did I get way over here? What happened to me? And look where these decisions I made have taken me. The reality is, it can happen to any of us. 
And it does to most of us at one point or another. Think about it. It happens in our relationships. It can happen in a marriage. Most of us who are married can relate to this. We get busy. We get busy with jobs. We get busy with kids and just life in general. And then one day you wake up and you say, what happened? We aren't as close as we used to be. We've drifted. Many years ago, we had a vision to become the church that we are today. At the time, we were a traditional church, but we knew that we needed to change the way we were doing church if we were going to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And I can still remember those days before it happened, right when it was beginning to happen. I would walk out of my office at the old church, it was over on Brook Street, and walk around the neighborhood and just pray. Pray that God would take us down a path of the church that would lead to change and allow us to reach our community for Christ. And God answered that prayer. And then some time ago, I realized something. I wasn't doing that anymore. What happened? I got busy. There were distractions. There were challenges. There were other things occupying my time. And I had lost something that was really important to me. And I needed an Elisha moment. I needed God to step in and help me find what I had lost. I didn't mean for it to happen. I honestly didn't realize it was happening when it was happening. And you often don't either. You know, you end up pursuing the emptiness of material possessions. You didn't want to do it, but now you realize that's what you did. You didn't intend for your career to become a priority in your life over the things of God. But it happened. You didn't intend for a relationship with someone else to crowd out the close relationship you had with God. But that's your story. Can any of us relate to that? So what do you do when that happens? I want to go back to the story we've read. And I want to show you two simple principles that we can take from this story to help us get back what we've lost. Here's the first one. Identify what I've lost and admit it. Just be honest. The prophet who lost the axe head didn't try to cover it up, you know, out of embarrassment, out of shame. He just exclaimed, oh, sir, I borrowed an axe and now it's gone. It really wasn't gone, was it? He just needed someone to recover it for him. You know, it's kind of like when you lose your sunglasses, your keys, your phone. They really aren't lost. They're somewhere. You just don't know where they are. And, you know, fortunately, our phones today have an app on them, so we can find them, right? Um, I lost my phone one Sunday morning here at the church somewhere. This is a while back. It was driving me crazy that I could not find it. Honestly, I did not think I was that attached to it. Um, I misplaced it before the first service of the morning, so I went into that service without it. I knew it was somewhere, but I couldn't find it. It was bugging me to the point where I had to say during that service, Jerry, you need to focus here, you know. you got a sermon to give. And I had to do that between services, going into the next, next service and so on. I had to say, worry about the phone later. Well, I finally was able to pull up my app, you know, the Find My Phone app or whatever it is, and it showed me right where it was. It was right here at the church. I was like, I know that. It told me that my phone was at 2800 Bonnell Road, but that's as specific as it got. I was like, I know it's here. Show me where in the building it is. And I remember thinking, well, a lot of help you are as an app, you know. 
So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Be very specific in identifying and admitting what it is you've lost. Is it your passion for God? Is it the friendships you need to have so people can build into your life? Is it your zeal for serving? Is it the heart to share with others about your relationship with Jesus? You have to identify it and admit it. You say, well, God already knows what that is. Sure, he knows what it is. I mean, when the prophet lost the axe head in the river, did Elisha need him to identify where it was located for Elisha to make it float? No. But Elisha wanted the young prophet to be able to admit what he has lost and to show his desire for it to be recovered. God wants you to show your desire to recover it by identifying it and admitting it to him. It's, it's kind of a way of assessing where your heart truly is. It shows your faith in God. Now there's a second step to recover what you've lost, and it's this, back to 2 Kings chapter 6. When you identify and admit what you've lost, showing your faith in God to help you recover it, um, it's this, with God's help, you say, I can take it back. You have to take action. You know, in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha told the young prophet, grab it. <laughs> Listen closely. God always wants you to act on your faith. If you've drifted spiritually, God will help you recover what you've lost, but you need to take a few minutes and say, what do I need to do? You know, do you need to set a time aside to pray? Do you need to surround yourself with the right kind of friends? Do you need to get in a group, a life group at church? Do you need to get some accountability in some areas of your life where you've compromised your standards? Do you need to distance yourself from a friendship that's pulling you down? Here's the interesting thing. When you go through that process and learn to take back what you've lost, what's gonna happen the next time you've lost something? And by the way, like we've already said, it's just kind of a natural part of life that we lose our spiritual edge from time to time. I wish it didn't happen, but it happens. So what will happen the next time you recover something you've lost? Let me answer that by taking you back to our story in 2 Kings 6 and extrapolate a little bit. The next time this young prophet loses something of value, what's his first thought going to be? Where's Elisha? I know this can be recovered. Where is Elisha? In other words, his faith would grow through that experience. He now knows, because he's gone through the previous experience, that with God's help, he can always recover what he's lost. And that's the lesson this young prophet needed to learn that day, and it's a lesson we all need to learn as well. And you know, that's actually the story of the Bible. The Bible tells us that we've lost our relationship with God through sin. It started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It continues to this day with each one of us. We all fall short of God's standard for us. We miss the target, in other words, because God is holy, uh, meaning that he's separated from anything sinful or imperfect. We would have to be holy to have a right standing with God, but our sin keeps us, it separates us from that. So God the Father sent Jesus, his son, into the world to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And when our sin went on that cross, allowing us to have a right standing, it went on the cross, which allows us to have a right standing with God. Listen to how the Bible describes it. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins 
so that we, may, we could be made right with God through Christ. A right standing with God gives you the promise of forgiveness of your sins, past, present, and future. It gives you the promise of a relationship with God right now in this life. He'll walk with you through this life. He'll give you strength when you need it. He can give you peace. He can give you joy. He can give you fulfillment. He can give you purpose in life. And he gives you the future promise that you'll spend eternity with him. Because God is a God who helps us want to recover what we've lost.